Please join me in today's scripture reading from Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verses 10 through 16. In your pew Bibles, this is on page 979. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done so, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Kathy, for sharing a very heavy ministry that we've been supporting for since the start of New Day 13 years ago. I wanted to let you guys know that the work that you guys have been supporting there for so many years, I've seen a lot of girls' lives change. Um, I know Gabby. Um, I know the Asian girl that Kathy speaks of in Napa. I know a lot of these girls personally. I'm looking forward to attending horse camp this year. So hopefully I get a horse, I don't know. But, but it's, it's unapologetically Christian. We don't accept any government funding because we don't want them to tell us what we can or cannot do. And it's, so it's totally funded by folks like yourself for these gals. Uh, the costs are tremendous because it's not just therapy, it's not just the food and shelter, but some of these girls actually need actual surgery from what they've been through, and sometimes multiple. And so we're talking about a lot of money to see specialists from around the country to do what they're able to do for these girls. And so if any of you have that sort of heart to help out, uh, please feel free to chat with me. I know the organization quite intimately, being involved with them for 13 years. And so uh, my family and I have invested quite a bit. We've taken these girls to lakes, for water skiing and bowling and pizza nights and all sorts of stuff. It's been great um, to even expose my own girls uh, in terms of if they ever feel a sense of entitlement, it's pretty washed away pretty quickly when I just bring them to a New Day for Children event. Um, so they don't have that sort of attitude at all because all it takes is meeting a New Day girl and, and chatting with them to have some reality set into their life. We are talking about spiritual warfare. Uh, as we're in this sermon, uh, you can definitely plug it into this darkness, this evil that um, Kathy has shared about in our world. And if there's any question that we live in a dark and evil world, just encourage you to attend an event with us. But we're looking at the armor of God this morning. And so specifically at shoes for the gospel of peace and a shield of faith. And so all of these pieces of armor for us to stand firm against the schemes of the devil in verse 11. So let me jump into these verses and we'll look at verse 15 first. And it reads, And as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Anyone, I'm curious, has anyone come in here without shoes? Anyone? I used to do that back in our Berkeley days because it was more acceptable. But here I think people look at me a little bit. More, but um, and I have to confess to you, I I'm not actually a fan of shoes. I actually um, don't like wearing them. 
Um, I, and if you know me, my, my foot apparel is flip-flops. Like, that's, that's what I usually wear. And I'm, I'm wearing shoes today, but it's unusual. And when I was in college, I had this uh, mission opportunity to serve some indigenous people in the Amazon forest. And um, it was great because when I was there, I didn't have to wear shoes because I was with these indigenous people who all walked around barefoot. So I joined them. I walked around barefoot. And the only thing they told me was, um, if you see these big ants, don't go near them. Because um, they hurt. Like they have these huge pincers. And, and what they used to do is, you know, if someone had a, a wound, they would have the ant bite onto the wound and then have it help close and then they'd twist the body off so it would hold in place. And so these huge ant head pincers were used as sutures. Like, so I was like, don't worry, I'm not gonna step near them, it's cool. Like, so, um, but all of us here this morning, we're, we're wearing shoes and shoes are actually a huge deal in the United States. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. I think some of you are because I, I recognize some sneaker heads in here. But it is a multi, multi-billion dollar industry in the U.S. And the U.S. is the largest market in the entire world, has an estimated revenue of $94 billion in 2022. $94 billion. And so shoes definitely have their place. Every sport has their respective shoe. Every event has its respective shoe, whether it's a formal event, a casual event. Every recreation has its shoe. There, there's a purpose to shoes. And as disciples of Jesus, we have our own shoe. And we have a purpose for our shoe. What is our shoe? What is the purpose of our shoe? And you skip down to verse 19 of Ephesians 6. To proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly. That's the purpose of our shoes. And so this is how each one of us came to know the gospel for ourselves. Someone shared that gospel with us, that we heard it and we believed it, and then we were adopted into the family of God. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We have a gospel of peace to share with others. Without the gospel of Christ, we are at enmity with God, and the gospel of peace reconciles you to God. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 19. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, become a minister. Without Christ, people are separated from God. And it is Jesus alone who provides this peace, this reconciliation with God. 
Ephesians 2, starting in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. We don't earn peace with God, with the things that we do or that we don't do. We don't earn that. It's not found in religion or spirituality. Peace with God is only found in Jesus Christ by the shed blood of himself on the cross. And this is more than just the knowledge of this. This is even more than just understanding and believing this. Because Satan and all of his followers know this of Christ. They believe that of Christ because they were there to witness that of Christ. What's different? They don't trust in Christ. Their allegiance is not with Christ. Their loyalty is not with Christ. And so it's much like our world today that wants peace. We all want peace. The problem is that all these different people are going about their own ways in how they see that they're going to achieve peace. And so they have all these different ways that they think is the right way. But then the world loses sight of how to really achieve peace because in order to achieve peace, there needs to be peace with God. You can't ignore the enmity with God and think that we are going to experience peace elsewhere. And as long as there is enmity with God, there can never be peace. Never. And there's this thought, you know, like if we just get along with each other, if we're just friendly with one another, and we just do good things everywhere we're at to the community we live in, and we just host fun activities, and people just enjoy themselves, then we'll, we'll just have people come to church, and we'll just all live in harmony and peace with each other. And it's not true. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt at all. But it doesn't do what we think that it does. And how do we know this? Because regeneration's been around for 21 years. And we've done all of these things. All of them. We've done everything that you can imagine within the time span with our community and doing good and having fun events and doing all this kind of stuff and being friendly and, and accepting people. There's a difference in how we do things. And the reason that we exist as a church is to invite people to follow Jesus and to experience life with the Holy Spirit. So there's a distinct difference between the shoes that we wear as a church and any other organization out in the community and what they wear. All community groups are friendly. They're all inviting. They all do good things. They all have fun activities. That's how they do their work. We do those things, but the foundational message is the gospel, and that is our foundation. It's, it's where our feet go. And to help people to receive the gospel, to give them their own pair of gospel shoes, how did we receive the gospel? How did we do that? Well, there was an admission of sin from us. We, we realized we were sinners. We, we have all sinned, and, and so that individual needs to come to this realization. 
Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. There's a confession of one's sin. And there is then a gift that is given with that admission of sin and believing what Jesus did for you, that Jesus died in our place as sinners, and we're saved not because of what we do or don't do, but because of what Jesus did. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so again, it's more than just knowledge. It's more than just understanding and believing, because the evil one believes. The evil one understands. The evil one acknowledges but they don't follow Jesus as Christ. They're not loyal. They're not allegiant. They're not trusting of Christ. We can wear our gospel shoes of peace, but will they serve their purpose? And a lot of people wear shoes, but they don't wear them for the purpose they were designed. How many of you wearing basketball shoes ever play basketball? How many of you who wear running shoes ever run? I I confess that one. I I have a pair and I just, I walk in them, but I, I don't run. We don't wear shoes for the purpose that they have all the time. And as Christians, we are given this gift of our shoes to introduce people to have a direct encounter with God. Those are the shoes that we have. A really special pair. And these gospel shoes are what give us the ability to stand firm. Verses 11, 13, and 14. And regardless of what is happening in your life or around you, that you can stand firm in the gospel. And these gospel shoes prevent you from slipping and falling. They protect your foundation. The the message we have is very unpopular To have people confess that they're wrong is an unpopular thing. And to then acknowledge that they need somebody else in a world that thinks that we can handle everything ourselves is a very unpopular thing. And people think that you are crazy to trust in God who they can't see and who who they've not experienced directly themselves. But the thing is, that's the gospel truth. These gospel shoes that we wear, they help us to stand firm and they help us to move. They help us get where we need to be and and they get us ready to stand our ground. And wherever Jesus went in his ministry, he was ready with the gospel. And you can read this throughout the gospel. There was never a time that Jesus wasn't ready with the good news. He arrived ready with the gospel. And you notice how Jesus did things in the gospel. He comes to earth as the promised king that the prophets declared in the Old Testament. People repented of their sins. They they believed in Jesus. They followed him. And in Jesus' ministry, he did many miracles. He did many good works. He was very friendly. He did all these things. 
He healed people. He cast out demons. He, he fed people. Did a ton of good things for the community. And you'll notice that people were always looking for him to just do more of those good things. It's the same thing for us. You do good things here and it's never enough. It's never enough. They're always asking for more. And then when you look at Jesus, where do you often find him? He's not out there like doing more. What is he doing? He's off praying somewhere. They got to go look for him. Where, where did he go? Like, we have this awesome work going on. Like, we can feed so many more people. We can heal so many more people. Like, just, let's just bring it on. Come on. And what does Jesus do? He's just off. Off praying. And then what does he say? We got to move on to the next town. He doesn't just kind of sit on his laurels and say, like, you know what? Yeah, I got a good thing going here. Let's just bring it all here. We'll open up a huge hospital and schools. We'll educate everybody and heal everybody's sicknesses and cast out demons. And we'll do all these wonderful works for the community and do all this stuff. He does not do that ever. What does he do? Mark chapter 1, starting verse 37. And they found him because they were looking for him. Like, Jesus, we just did awesome stuff. Come on, let's go do this again. And then they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns. Why? That I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. We're so focused on this other stuff. And as a church, we can't get focused on the other stuff. We follow Jesus. And yes, Jesus healed. But that wasn't his ultimate purpose. Jesus cast out demons, but that wasn't his ultimate purpose. Jesus did many good things for the people, many good things for communities, but that wasn't his ultimate purpose. And as the church who follows Christ, we have many good things that we can do, but what's the ultimate purpose of the church? It's to preach the gospel. That's our purpose. That's why we have these shoes. And it's what provides us the ability to stand firm and, and it's, the, it's what provides us the ability to, to move and reach other destinations with the gospel. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 14, Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Now some people have interpreted this as just knowing your apologetics really well, so well that you can defend what you believe. Now knowing apologetics is a helpful thing, but ultimately it's, it's knowing the gospel that gives people hope, not all these different answers that, that people have questions to. All people go through trials and tribulations, everyone. And the hope we have in the trials and tribulations, no matter what they are, are in Christ. That's the answer all the time. Kind of like that Sunday school answer, they throw out a question. Jesus, yes, you're right. right? So you can always give the gift of the gospel of Christ. You don't have to go out there solving people's problems or giving answers to all these mysterious questions that you can't possibly answer. You give them the gift of the gospel. 
That's what we give them. And of course, we, we, we serve them along the way just as Jesus did. Jesus fed them. Jesus healed them. Jesus did all these things. We, we do that here. We feed the hungry. We, we provide for the poor. We serve our community. But our ultimate gift is the gospel. That's our ultimate gift. Everywhere we go, the gospel is on our feet. And then the next verse Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, remember this imperative of putting on the armor of God that we find here in chapter 6 is only for people who have faith in Christ. If you don't have faith in Christ, this doesn't pertain to you. Now, Paul wasn't writing to the entire population of Ephesus. He first focuses in chapters 1 through 3 on the identity of a Christian. And if you fall into that, then you follow chapters 4 through 6. And that's kind of the order of things. And so he specifically addresses those who trust, who follow, who, who are loyal to Jesus, and who are spiritually alive in Jesus. It's not something that we earned. It's not something that we did on our own. It's all because of Christ, and he gave it to us as a gift. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, I bring this up over and over again, and it's, in, and it's a really important reminder, because this putting on the armor isn't something that we do for ourselves it's not something to become that we aren't already it's to point out that who we have been made to be in Christ is completely because of Christ because of what Christ did that when we come to trust in Christ he provides us and provides for us this gospel armor he outfits us with his righteousness so we must understand it's, it's not our own works or a belief in ourselves, but it's on the finished work of the cross and it's a belief in Christ that gives us salvation from our sins and gives us eternal life, this life of peace with God. Our defense of being a child of God is not from anything we've done. It's based on God's truth the gospel of our salvation that saves us. And so do we believe that? Do we trust in the word of God? Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. If you've been here for any amount of time, you know that the word of God is paramount to our church, to our ministry. This is a huge piece of regeneration. It's a pillar of our, of our values. And it's why we encourage studying the Word of God and using that as the primary spiritual discipline to go forward in. This is why we go through the Word every Sunday with the hope that even in 2022, as it was in the days of Paul, that preaching the Word, people will have their eyes, ears, hearts open to what the Word of God has to say, to deal with their sins, and to be transformed into holy people. It's the word of God. Now, look back to this phrase in verse 16. 
you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now you notice that Paul didn't just write evil in terms of just speaking of an abstract evil or evil in general, that this is a definite article, evil one. There's an adjective and there's a noun. And Paul is writing about Satan, the same evil one that was in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, the same evil one that was with Jesus tempting him in the wilderness. It's the same evil one. And there are many who don't believe in the evil one. And I'm curious how they go about explaining sex trafficked kids at eight years old. How do you explain that? How do you explain war or chaos? How do you explain pain and suffering? How do you explain these things? How do you explain evil through just science? How do you do that? Ephesians 6 verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We've all experienced darkness. We've all experienced pain and suffering. We've all witnessed global war and chaos. All of these things are undeniable. Where does it come from? And the Bible tells us, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, flaming darts, it's plural. It's more than one. It's this continual onslaught that is never going to end until you die. That's my encouraging message for you this morning. (laughs) I'm going to tell you one of the evil one's most favorite flaming darts. And it's this. It's out of Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. This is one of his favorites. Did God actually say? That is his favorite. He loves that one. Till today, it's one of his greatest hits. He loves that one. Did God actually say? It haunts us today. All the moral dilemmas, all the different things that are going on in terms of like people questioning what the Bible says and does the Bible really say that? Does it really? It's so old. It's like thousands of years old. That was for that context. Does the Bible really say? And so he starts putting these things in your mind and he puts them in your thoughts and he gets them in your mouth and he gets the confusion going. Did God actually say that? He loves that one. Really crafty in how he works. He gets us doubting the word of God. He gets us to question the will of God. He gets us to second guess the promises of God. Gets us confused to what is true and what isn't. And it happens to everyone, whether they're a genius or whether they're a fool. Happens to all of them. It doesn't matter. The evil one attacks everyone all the time. And he comes when you least expect. Things are going well for you and then bam! Where did that come from? How did that even happen? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, 
Don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Fiery darts, multiple, continual. And we all go through this bombardment of attacks and we're all faced with these flaming darts, these thoughts that come that are putting doubt in you or shame in you, unworthiness, guilt, all these different things. And you might have overcome something really dark in your past many years ago, but then it creeps up again and happens with these New Day girls all the time. They overcome these things. They know God has forgiven them. They know God is, is working in their life. And they, they still experience all this guilt, all this shame, all these things. And this, this evil one, he loves to remind you of your unholy past, even though it wasn't your doing. Someone did that to you. And still he puts that guilt and shame on you. And for those that you did do that, you did do awful things. He still puts the guilt on you even though God forgave you. You asked for repentance and he said yes. Jesus covers it. You're righteous. You got the breastplate of righteousness. You're done. But then he always he shoots another one at you. Hey, remember when you did that? Remember when you thought that? You still think that. All these different things just creeping up. You have to know that he's going to fire multiple flaming darts and he's just trying to see which one is going to stick. So he keeps shooting them, seeing which one sticks. And the one that always sticks, he'll keep using. And one that he really likes is, did God actually say that? Did he say that? He will fire anything at you that will conjure up hatred, unforgiveness, Jealousy, envy, lust. He will fire anything that will damage your identity in Jesus Christ. He will use anything. He will fire anything that has you question your unity in Christ. Anything. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He's going to fire any flaming dart that is going to mess with your unity and your identity in Christ. You have to know that. Know that. And know that your shield of faith, like any other piece of armor that God has given you, does not rest on your ability to wield that piece of armor or to wear that piece of armor, but it's all on Christ, in Christ. And it's about faith in Christ, not faith in yourself. And the faith in Christ extinguishes all the flaming darts because what can you possibly say when he shoots one at you that you actually did do the thing that he's trying to guilt you into? Saying like, yeah, I, I am shame-ridden, I am guilt-ridden. What are you going to say? I didn't do it? You did. How, how do you overcome that? Unless Christ, who died for you, says, I take it. Shoot a dart at me. They're innocent. My, my blood covers them. I'm taking their place. How are you yourself going to do it? Because you are guilty of it. 
See, our strength is not found in ourselves. It is found in Jesus Christ. And Christ provides the armor where to take up and to put on. Look at all these verbs in regards to the armor of God. It says, take up the whole armor of God. Fasten the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the gospel shoes of peace. Take up the shield of faith. Be ready. These flaming darts are going to be fired upon you and these lies of the devil are going to be fired upon you. These doubts of did God really say are going to be fired upon you and we are to take up this shield of faith. Trusting this gospel shield that accuses us with these lies of the devil and to block those things out. Proverbs chapter 30 verse 5 Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Our faith isn't always strong. We waver. But we have to always trust this faith, even though the faith is weak. That we have to trust, even when the faith wavers, that we have to cling to that faith. Just as you would cling to that shield, no matter how many of those arrows are coming your way, you're just clinging to it. And here's a a picture of this shield, as I shared a few weeks ago. The shield was kind of large. It usually covered about from the neck to your knee, and it covered your entire shoulder width, and it was so that it could block off. It was like carrying a door, right? So it's like you're carrying this door, blocking these things, but sometimes you're under this huge barrage. I don't know, like, I don't know if you guys, you, you must have seen these movies, like The Lord of the Rings, when, they, you know, they shoot all these arrows and, you know, all this stuff, and they have a shield up. It's to block, but then you're under this huge barrage. You can't, you're just overwhelmed by it. And, and what do you need? You need reinforcements. You need help. And so Roman soldiers had these shields that they can actually put together and shield from a large barrage, they, they would they have this formation of almost like a turtle shell and coming so that they can march along even though they're being shot at, they can still march along and cover everybody as, as they're going along. And this is the picture that is for us as a church. When there is one that is just under that barrage of attack and they just feel overburdened and overwhelmed by everything that they're attacked with spiritually, that they can call over a brother or sister from the church and, I, I need help. Can you, like, bring your shield by me too and, like, cover my right side? Like, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting shot over here. I'm getting shot over Can you Can you just kind of help cover me up? So it's not just a personal shield, but this is something, this faith to encourage and support, strengthen others. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Don't we need that one? Holy moly, the church needs that one. Always quarreling about opinions. Let's use the word of God to be the truth for us. And so for these that are getting bombarded by these flaming darts, we're to welcome them and encourage, comfort, strengthen, pray for those who are experiencing little faith. 
we're not the greatest at it. Some people have shared and they've asked for reinforcements and they just don't receive it. We could be better. And hopefully we, we do improve and hopefully people kind of call us out on things and, and have us do our part. But it's an aspiration and something that we hope can be the beauty of the church is when those flaming darts come our way that we can come around those who are overwhelmed by them and, and we can ask those in the church family to gather around us and shield us with more than just what we have because sometimes it's not even enough that it's just you and your spouse or you and your nuclear family that you need something more. I'd love for us to watch out for one another and I know that we haven't done the greatest job for every single person. For some, you guys have experienced this and you're like, man, this church is great. They came around me, they protected me, they did everything. But for some of you, like, man, that place, they dropped the shield. Like, I still got hit in the back. Like, what, what's going on? This is all we have. You only have the church. I mean, what's the plan B? Let's try to help us get better with each other. Let's, let's try to help each other more, pray for one another more. Let me leave you with this because this is something we're already guilty of. Matthew 26, verse 41. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. I think all of us want to. But the flesh is weak. We can't. So I, I do apologize to those of you who, whom we've failed. And I pray that you would help us to be better. And for those of you who have had those successes of a, our church rallying around you, I would encourage you to be more involved in a community so that your story can get out. Because we usually hear more of the negative things and not the positive things. So we actually need you to get involved in a home group or, or serving or something so that your story can get out so that people don't think like, and that church is just like, they always let their shields down. They let their people get shot all the time. Well, we need you guys that have experienced the goodness of the faith of this church to come forward and say like, it's not all the time. I'm one of the testimonies they, they actually held up for me. Let's pray. Lord, um, we pray that we are focused on the gospel, that we don't get distracted on what we are standing firmly on, this gospel of peace, this foundation that we wear on our feet, that wherever we go, we go with that, we bring that with us. And pray, Lord, that that shield of faith that we have. Sometimes we, we're not the greatest at, at holding that up, and I pray, Lord, for uh, the ability to rest in you to do that, knowing that you did all that work for us, and so may we hold that up. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time. Thank you for bringing Kathy and 
sharing New Day with us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have uh, communion elements, uh, let's bring those out. And if you don't, just hold up your hand and Stephanie will get that over to you. Every week we celebrate communion, remembering what Christ did for us on the cross. And so as we take out the wafer, symbolizing the broken body of Christ for us, recognizing that he has taken upon himself uh, what we deserved. And so let's take this element together. The grape juice symbolizing the blood of Christ. We know Jesus spilled his blood for us to take upon our sins upon himself. Let's take this in remembrance of Christ. Lord Jesus, you instructed us to take these elements, this sacrament, until your return. And so we do. Declaring our allegiance and loyalty to you, knowing what you did for us. So may we not boast in ourselves and our abilities and what we do, but just know what you have offered us in Jesus' name. Amen.